Man, what's happening? It's Contrast Uncut, episode 13. I got Mr. Super Producer, Mr. Man, he everything. Making, trying to make movies, manage artists, got a studio, got an LLC, got a record label. Bro, really at it. I mean, I think I don't need to give him an introduction, but I, I just did, man. He's telling lies. I'm just a producer, you feel me? Humble. I'm just playing. No, I do. I do a lot for you. It's, it's, it's your boy, Ayo Miko, live in the building. You know how the niggas say, you know, we in here, we out here, wherever we at. That's that's where I'm is right now. You feel man, me? I appreciate you for having me at your studio, man. That's love. Yes, sir. Man, I got to get into this quote, bro. Every episode, I start with a quote, and then you know that sort of like leads the way for the whole episode. Some kind of way, it makes a full circle every episode. I feel that luck. Is a product of hard work. Nipsey Hussle. Yes. The legend. Yes, Lord. I'm going to say that one more time for the people that listen slow. I feel that luck is a product of hard work. Yes, Lord. How you feel that relates to you? Uh, I agree wholeheartedly for the simple fact that I'm a living testimony of that. But, you know, some people will call it luck. Some people will call it a coincidence. It's literally, you know, it is hard work. Like, you work, you know, whatever you put in the universe is going to give you back tenfold. Always. It be good or bad. So the people that work hard, they get hard work rewards. So, let me ask you this, bro. At what point in the game do you feel like what you were doing in music chose you? Because everybody I spoke to is more so the game chose them. It wasn't more so this is what they try to force. This is what they emphasize and someone else telling them to do it. It's more so of what the game chose them. And so, I mean, growing up, I wanted to be a lawyer and I wanted to be a police officer. Like, those are things that I wanted to be when I wanted to grow. And I wanted to be a pastor. So how I ended up being an urban, you know, hit maker, it literally, like you said, chose me. Like, one day I heard my cousin making beats in his home studio and literally for two years without asking I was eight at the time for two years I would sit back and watch him make beats and two years later I asked him to finally I got the courage I guess to ask and say hey can I make a beat let me try I made my first beat and I was able to actually make it without asking him for help asking what the you know how to you know what the eight bar loop is where the hook go where the verse I already knew it from watching for so long and when I made it I just fell in love I never looked back since then always been fascinated with the creation of music. Do you remember that first beat? I'm pretty sure you get asked that all the time. Yeah, my, my, my first beat is called Ring. Uh, you know, it's funny because every time I ask a rapper if they remember their first rap they wrote, they try to, like, dismiss it because they know it was whack. I, I, I still got it. I, uh, I believe I still got that. From the jump. Yeah. One of the, one of the only latest, like, early beats that I got is my first beat. I just, you know, it's trash, but when I first made it, I was like, damn, I did this. Like, I took it. Because when you're making a beat, you start with a blank slate. It ain't no, you have this, you have that, you Open have Open canvas. And you're like a painter. You know, you literally create. So at the time, I was like, damn, I made this. And I'm not in my head to it. I'm not forcibly not in my head because I know it was trash. And at the back then, I felt like, damn, that was dope. And so it's, just, it's dope to be able to create from, from nothing. So how did that wave of you making a beat, you seeing your folks make beats, and it transitioned to you where you were like, I need to turn this into something more? 
transition was literally that same day I made that beat. Right then I knew I wanted to make music. I didn't, like even to this day, I don't care for the money because I enjoy making music. It's just now I have responsibilities. So I have to put a dollar value on what I'm creating. But it's, it's never been about money because then I, you know, it, it, you'll be chasing the bag. I'm not one of those people that chase the bag. I'm one of those people that just follows the, like my dream. Like I enjoy what I do. I don't wake up regretting coming to work. Like this is a job at the end of the day. Like you know what it is you do. You don't regret waking up having to drive to X, Y, or Z to you know go interview people. Like you enjoy that shit. I enjoy this yeah. shit. Yeah, they say if you're doing what you love, you're not really working a day in your life. And I, I second what you're talking about, bro. I love this shit. Like I enjoy it. Like I look forward. Most people go to sleep feeling like damn, I'm gonna work tomorrow. I like I'd be like I can't wait. Like I really be like I can't wait to go work and to me it's, it's it is a job because like i said i got it i put a dollar value on it and i know my daughter doesn't eat if i don't you're work. accountable yeah so you're also a dedicated father yes, see that was important to drop in the intro yes sir that's important man no i appreciate that now how do you juggle being a father and working in the industry that's something that once i find out you a father it's like that's the biggest question for me because yeah. i struggle I wouldn't necessarily say it's a struggle. It's it's more of how do you adapt managing both lifestyles. And my thing is, I just I count the the music lifestyle out. It doesn't exist to me. I don't I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't care to party. All last year, as I, my, last year was a big transitional year for me. Just me as a man. Last year I didn't buy no new clothes. I didn't go to no clubs, no parties, no nothing. I didn't do nothing but go to my studio go home and go see my daughter those are the only three things i literally did all last year nothing else existed so and that was a, a big sacrifice to me because i'm somebody that needs to, well, not needs to be in the spotlight but in order to make more connections i got to be around more artists more frequently and right. Right. i told myself it's not worth it i need to i need to build me i need to find who i am and become a better man in order to transition to my next phase of life because you know, you go through things and it'll fuck up your mindset. So to a degree, you went from, I've been watering a whole bunch of different gardens because I got seeds there. You were like, you know, I got to reflect to make sure my garden good. Yeah. And it, it, was, I was, it, was not, it wasn't even a bunch of gardens. Now, this is, this is a story that some people know, a lot of people don't know. I used to work with this artist named Compton Navy, and that was the garden that I watered for eight years or 10 years. Since 2008 to 2018, that was LMKR. That was a, I, cre I created, me, me and him created something that a lot of Los Angeles knows and loves. And that's where I put all my effort and energy into, to where I never really valued my own personal career. Because I was chasing his dream with him. Which is what you're doing when you're loyal and you're dedicated. That's what you're going to do. That's so the principles I don't, I don't, and values. I don't have no regret of doing that, but... Like I said, lat 2019 was my transitional year of actually focusing on my own career, my own self, and my goals, and what drives me to do this, and not working for somebody else and their dreams. And it changed my life. That literally, that last year, I ain't had a job since I was 16, and I wasn't really making money. I was making money this with working with Company AV, but on my own Thanks. nickel and dime, not with us together. And that was nothing compared to what I made by myself last year. Uh -huh. and the growth. Yeah. 
exponential growth, not just no one step, two step, probably a hundred steps in, in the right direction. Oh, so you went and got that uh, good fertilizer and stuff and really invested <laughs> yeah. in yourself. Yeah. No, that's a blessing. Not a lot of good things going right now. So. so how did the situation with you accomplishing AV begin when you were 16? Like, how did that come uh, about? Or did I, y'all grow up together? No, nah, I, ne- I, never, I never knew the man. I was, when I first started making music, I was rapping, I was singing, and I had my, uh, the first artist I ever worked with, his name is Terry, Young Terry. Okay. He was like a Christian rapper or a Christian singer. So ha- having his influence, it made me not even want to cuss my music. Like, you know how Kanye's doing sec- not non-secular music now? That's how I was when I was 17, 18. So when I started actually making music, my shit was like corny, sort of speak, because I didn't want to cuss. I didn't want to say X, Y, and Z, because I just, I felt I was close. I'm not going to say I was closer to God, but I felt like I didn't want to upset God doing that at the time. And then as I actually, you know, tried cussing the song for once, I was like, damn, this shit went up way faster, way farther than me not cussing. So I just seen it as a business mode, like God knows who I am. Did you feel awkward? Cussing? Uh, yeah, the first time, yeah. Putting it on wax and playing it back. Yeah, I felt, I, it felt unfamiliar. Like, <laughs> man, you fake. But it's not like I didn't cuss in real life. It's just I didn't want to be known as that guy that's like, you know, like everybody else at that time. And then, lo and behold, I started making all sex music, and it worked. Like, it kind of helped me become some like known as a singer. Uh. But the whole I met. AV through Terry and Terry basically the reason why me and AV got close was because most times when you like if you know like how you send an interview up if I say we can do it right now most people will say no let's set it up for two weeks from now or next week or you know like push it back he was the only person that I met at the time that was like I'll come right now and this was 1 1 a.m. oh that's hungry and so it's like that right there just like okay you want it like I want he came that night he played me some of his music. I really wasn't interested because I didn't like gangster rap at the time. And I was like, you know, I'm still working. I'm gonna give you a chance because, you know, like you can't, you, you did, you, you're here. So we, I made him a beat. He rapped on the beat. The beat was done that same night. Next day, he had a, a picnic. Well, like a week later, he had a picnic. He played that song, and I seen everybody was like going crazy. Like, damn, we just made this song last week. And, Niggas like, hey, I love this song. Like, that was that was the biggest kind of like fan. The feedback was like, damn, this, I see what you can do. I see what I can do for you, and I see what you can do for me. You and can- then that's a high that that you just pretty much kept on chasing. Yeah, for for a minute, I chased that because I had never had that. I just enjoyed doing music. I didn't really care for feedback. I just enjoyed it. But actually seeing feedback and people liking it, it made me want to do it more. Like, oh, people like this too. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, let's let's do it. And so we, we ended up doing like three mixtapes in the first year. That made us a name because nobody was creating and putting music out on a level and speed in which we was doing it. And we had the hottest music. And he was rapping, you know, he was cussing all his music. I just started cussing in my music too. Like, cool. This is just, this is how we rock. And I was loyal to what we did. And LMKR ended up being the biggest thing like on the West Coast for like a, a good five, six years. It was no, that and right. the pushes. I remember. I remember for the simple fact that, uh, long story short, he used to have a little stuff on Facebook to put a number down. And I was like, that was such a brilliant marketing strategy to have someone leave a number on how they have feedback just to build up comments. And then the comments, as we all know, it turns into an algorithm of who actually sees your page. 
And so I was like, man, that stuff is brilliant on the whole marketing scheme. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, ahead of his time. Yeah. It, it was a beautiful start. It was a beautiful thing that we did. Like I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't aware that I created a sound. And I don't think that he was aware. He'll say he was aware because I know him, but I don't think either of us were aware of what we did until years after. Like, damn, we really created something big. Like we had over literally 500 members at LMKR. Like it was like a gang at one point. We had niggas in New York hitting me up like, hey, like I'm from New York and I'm repping LMKR. I got the beanie. Like, uh. nigga, it was it was big. And I was like, damn. Like I never felt like I was the one that created it because I was behind the scenes. I was just a producer. So up, up until probably last year, I was like, he did this. He did this. He, he's the, you know. But once I moved out of, we, we used to live together. Once I moved out of our house, I understood the sound is everything. Absolutely. People ain't people ain't nodding their head and bobbing their head to, to, the, to your vocal. They bobbing your their head to the beat. Yeah, and that's the first thing. I made 500 of his records. Compared to the probably 50 that other people made throughout our career together. So it's safe to say that I'm the sound behind his success, which means I am a direct correlation to his success music. No, bro, you the transmission to the motor, man. Yeah. Like, like without the transmission to the motor, there's no ski skirt, there's no switching gears, it's nothing. Exactly. So, no, it's important for you to uh, appreciate the value of what you did. That's incredible. Transitional phase with that was towards the middle of 2018. It was more so his. I knew of him because we went to high school together. His name is A Baby. It's my nigga now. Like we close today. Like now we hella close. But when he first got out, he was closer to A V because like they was like he would allegedly talk to him while he was in jail and shit like that so when he got out they was more so on some yeah we real niggas like i was always i don't gang bang i let niggas know i don't gang bang i'm not with the hood shit i don't care i wear blue because my my daddy was a crip and my whole family is crips so i'm going to say because i was born into it but i don't gang bang and i let people know quickly but you recognize choice yeah but people are looking at me like I'm a square because of it. So I didn't, I wasn't the, the fan favorite in the house. It was like eight of us in the house. <laughs> like a like real life bachelor pad. And I was the, the corny one, the odd man out. Like I was okay with it because I, I am who I am. I'm not going to change and try to be cool, especially to impress my friends at the time. No, it's important so, to be okay with yourself because that's where you get the most out yourself. Yeah. So, hey, baby, my homie, hey, baby. We was never, we wasn't close. But what got us close was he would see me researching music business and just trying to like hit nobody else cared, but he was like, hey, like what you what you doing? I'm like, I'm looking at like, you know, how to start streaming. He was like, what's streaming? I tell him, he's like, hey, like, you know, like, so show me how to do it. So I gave him game every day on like how to stream, how to, you know, be kind of, you know, be a music manager. And business is what got us close to the point to where I can say he changed my life because I usually let the business go and I let our manager take care of it. He was like, hey, bro, you've been talking all this business shit. Check on your business. Like, is it done right? Check your ass cap. Check all this shit because I've been teaching him to do it. So I check my shit. Uh-huh. And not only is the last album that we had did not like posted or, you know, updated in a legal way, none of my music was. So uh, a 10 year catalog was never updated or paid out in my in, in my likeness and to my name 
because of me just trusting that my manager would do it. And when I hit my manager up about it, he was like, I did it, I did it. I'm like, he, he checked. I was like, check, bro, you ain't do it. I'm like, oh man, I forgot. I'm like, you forgot 10 years of music? Man, 500 records. Like, you for, like how, are you, how do you forget 10 years, of that, let alone the last album that I was telling you to do? But everything. So it just made me, when I, when I dug deeper and did more of my research, I seen that somebody was getting paid. I wasn't getting paid. And I brought it to AB's attention. And he'd tell me, tell Pop, who was the name, like, that's what we call our manager. Called, I was my manager at one point. And I would tell him, and he'd keep saying, I don't know what's going on. And it's like, I can't work with you if, like, I, you shouldn't be confused. If right. anybody that should know what's going on, it should be the manager. Right, right, the paperwork. So, handling. it just, it made me so mad that I would tell AV, he'd say, tell Pop. It's like, bro, why are y'all giving me the runaround? Like, we not all involved in this. Yeah. If, if I'm getting paid, that means you're getting paid. That means our manager's getting paid. But if nobody's getting paid, was like, who's getting paid? Because right. the thing is, like, when your music is on a streaming platform, somebody's getting a check cut for that. No they're getting what. a mechanical check. Somebody's getting a check cut for that. And, like, that's what I was learning prior to doing that. So I was already prepared to get my own money from releasing my own music to get my own mechanical royalties. But my, none of my old shit, which was out on streaming platforms, I didn't see no dollars for 10 years. Now, so, do you know about the Music Moderation Act? Yeah. That was one of the reasons why I got more in-depth into learning how to stream. Because the, the price of streaming went up a lot. Went up five times. Yeah. It went up to the same amount as the mechanical. Exactly. Performance went so, the same rate. And that right there motivated me to get into streaming. And that's how the whole transition... It was just me being woke. Instead of feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm selling these for 300, 300, 400, exclusive for a thousand here. So I'm making money. I'm not broke. But if I'm making that, plus I'm getting a $2,000 streaming check monthly, Man. it's like. Yeah, domestic and international. So the thing was, is we weren't eating on a legal standpoint. Everything, every dollar I ever made was under the table through my hard work. I, I felt like as successful as me and AV were, on the back end, we should have had care money on the back end. That's like, and that was, it was simply that. And when I tell him about you, like, cause he's making show money, 500, 1,000, 1,500 a show. And he'll have, you know, two, three shows a month. So he got money. And I'm not counting his pockets, but it's like, bro, we live in the same house. And you know I'm struggling. You don't even, you know, you don't check. You don't ask if I'm good. You don't, you don't do nothing but make a beat for me. I need a beat. So that was the growth of you realizing where you need to grow at. Where you need to go ahead and say, all right, this part of my garden is not being watered like it was in the beginning or how you felt it was. Yeah. So you're like, I need to go ahead and move. Mm-hmm. And you know, as, as you both, we both know, it was the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah, life changed my life for the better. Like, of course, when I first moved, like, it was, I, I, I lost my car like two weeks or like two months before I moved out the house. So I didn't have a car moving. I didn't really have a place to stay. I didn't have a studio and I didn't have money. So I moved out here with nothing but a literally a dream. But in, in less than a month, I got a car and a studio. Like you know what you God. have in you though? It's called attracting wealth. And you have the ability to attract the wealth. It's not riches that you're glamorous about. You glamour about what you're able to provide on the table as an asset. Yeah. And that alone is is 
exponential to anyone's growth. And when you're held underneath a shadow for so long, you don't realize once you get underneath the sun, you got a whole bunch of diamonds dancing underneath there. Yeah. And so it's... That's what it was. But you know, in, in hindsight, moving out, I was so caught in this negative. It was... The struggle is like, real. It's, not, it's, 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 it's more so, I lost I lost what I consider at the time one of my best friends. Like that, Even though we... You're gonna be, you know, you're gonna argue with anybody, no matter what. Your wife, your your homie. So me and him got into a lot of situations to where we argued. It it got way worse up to leading to me moving out. But I still felt like, damn, I I got I gotta walk away from my best friend. Like the red flags were there. Though. Yeah, I just I just paid no attention to him for for years. Like I wanted to move two years prior to me moving because I felt like it's not gonna work. I felt like we were on a sinking ship. He wasn't making progress. He was always a good rapper, but his career wasn't moving forward. And he would probably blame me on it because I guess my beats weren't advancing enough. But the things that he asked for, I couldn't, if you're asking for, you know, old school gangster rap beat, what do you expect me to do? Give you a modern day beat? And he'd be like, I don't like that. I want this, I want this old school shit. You so, gotta pay for sample. You gotta, you basically, yeah, blame me for his career, you know, being at, at a decline. And it's like, damn, I'm being hit by toxic negativity every way I go. And so when I left, I still had that feeling of, of just toxic. It was just a lot of negativity in my heart. Weighing on you. Yeah, so it took a while. Once I made it through that, the blessings came left and right, nonstop. Like I said, I got a, got my car, and I got my car in my studio within two days of each other. Cause my whole thing was I can't. It don't make sense to have a car if I ain't got a studio to go to. How am I gonna make money? And I can't have a studio if I can't get to it. So, God bless me with getting both within the same week. Mm. And then, two weeks after that, I started my record label. Two weeks after that, I found my artist. Two weeks after that, I started kind of like accumulating streaming money because I start. I was this whole time I've been working nonstop every day since I moved out here to today. Every day I'm working. And you developed relationships. Yeah. That's something I could hear in your tone. That's something that, that hurt you the most is that the relationship that got dismantled was pretty much the main thing that hurt you. Yeah. And, and the main thing is they did you wrong on the money. You know, you got to put God first, your family second, and then the money. Yeah. And I wouldn't I wouldn't even say it, was, it wasn't it was it was even a money issue because I can honestly say he wasn't getting his streaming money either. See, so it wasn't, it wasn't him that did me wrong. So, I, and I'm not, and I'm here to admit it. Like, I'm not finna lie or, you know, throw no dirt or shade on nobody's name. We had our own personal problems, but it wasn't a money thing. Now, our manager, I feel like he may or may not have took money and not paid us. Us, both of us, not just me, but us. And that's still his manager. So, whether he finds that out one day later or sooner, or who knows what they gonna end up going through. But that's one of the main reasons why I left is because me being your friend i told you i came to you as your friend and told you hey bro this ain't this ain't right that's the yeah. main thing i said this ain't right and you said basically you know like you don't support me you're not here for me anyways and that's like a that's a slap on my face like bro yeah, i've been supporting no, you for a decade mirror. i've been supporting you for a whole decade and he out his mouth said you ain't been you ain't you ain't never there for me you don't support me it's like bro i okay i broke your career so at that point, I just felt like, damn, this ain't, this really ain't what it is. I, I can't be around somebody that don't see me for what I'm worth. 
Right. No matter who it is, what the situation is. And the blessing was you was able to see it. And the more important part, bro, is something in me telling me I gotta say this, bro. You gotta forgive them and move on. Yeah. Oh, I have. I've forgiven them. That's, that's I have, the I haven't key had to the, life. I haven't had the conversation to forgive them because I I know this man. Like, I, I lived with him. For oh me. yeah, you ain't gotta have the conversation. It's more so yeah, within I, your heart. Yeah, I've I've, I've 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 talked to God many a times about like I, I cry like a couple times after leaving because I'm I'm hurt. Like I'm literally hurt, you know, because of this. And then Nipsey passed away. It's like damn, I, I shouldn't be mad at nobody because I don't hate him. Never hated him. It's just didn't work out right so but I, you know some you do recognize that the, the the stuff you did grow in your garden as i keep on referring to is you know you got some big big fruits of your labor that you were able to produce and make that you can go ahead and implement that attracted your wealth because your wealth is is the mind and you have the ability to do so much and it's just you know i'm, I'm happy that that we transitioning out of this topic because uh it's so much greatness to talk about you without having to go so much into, you know, the, the past of, of growth. I just had to, you know, that that was my I said that was my transitional phase, and that's why it happened. That was, you know, I gotta be honest to myself. That's and that was me growing. Me having this interview a year ago, I would not have been able to say none of that because it would have been so much hatred in my heart to where I would be bashing a grown man. It's like I don't want to bash nobody. I just gotta keep it real. Yeah, no, that's the that, that right there. Can't no one disrespect that. At the end of the day, they have to respect it. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good has came from literally the three artists that I've invested my time and energy into. All have a record deal situation. Blessings. All three of them. Blessings. And those are the only three that I actually wanted to work with. So, not hopefully I don't sound narcissistic or I'm tooting my own horn, but it seemed like the people that I work with. I, I feel like I find, you know, all-star. Diamonds in the rough. So, and then, like, the way everything is going right now, just the things I'm attached to, I just can't wait to, to see what, you know, what God has for, for us. I'm going to say us because it's not just a me thing. I'm not selfish. I want This, this is going to be a win for everybody that I'm attached to, not just me at the least bit because I see, I have a, my, I have a bigger vision that's larger than me, it's larger than it's larger than owning a business. It's you know changing the world, making making the world a more humidable humi place, more humility in the world, just to show people like, yeah, I can have all this money in the world, but I still you know help the homeless. I feel I feel sad when I leave the studio late at night and I see homeless people at the bus stop and it be 48 degrees. Like, damn, I wish I could do something. If I could afford to, I would. And nobody would ever know because I'm not gonna film it. And, it's just between me, you, and God. Me, the homeless person, and, and God. That's all I need to know. Right. And that's the, those are the things that I look at and look toward. I, I, I can't wait to those moments to just be able to help people. Because I want to help people now. I just can't financially afford to. Yeah, no. You could be the person that do like a, a, a jacket or sweater donation where everybody to their schools or something, bro. I'm pretty sure you could put something together, bro, and tap in with the community to make oh, a yeah. difference. That's just a matter of time and recognition to and my, and my thing about that is too, I wouldn't I probably wouldn't even try to get people involved. I would just do it and it and hope that people see it and want to do it themselves. Mm. Like I would just pull up and say to myself, hey, I'm finna give away these jackets. And then if people want to pitch in, they free to do so. But I'm not trying to, you know, a lot of people do these things because they want that media 
and like I genuinely I don't care to be approached or want media attention or want people to look at me as a good person I just want to do good and that's what I'm saying like I just I'm gonna do what I gotta do and I hope people see it enough to want to jump in and be a part of it like because you know bro you have genuine values you have genuine principles that you're willing to not only make for yourself but also put out there for everybody that's why I do what I do and I, I really respect that because that's that's something that's transparent, universal, and it's something that a lot of the greats that's been in the game set as a standard to do, and a lot of people just dismiss it. Yeah. And I can tell you, finite of the uh, of the whole process. Yeah. I've, I've had these ideas, values, beliefs way before you know, rest in peace to Kobe and rest in peace to Nipsey passed. Like I've wanted to, I've always had these things in my heart to want to help. That's, like I said, I wanted to be a pastor. When I was young, I wanted to be a police officer. These are people that want to protect and help the world. I've always had these thoughts in my head. It, I just ended up doing music, and now I have a platform. Now that I have a bigger platform, I'm going to use it to help, to inspire, to motivate, to give, to donate, all that. But so I'm it's not, safe to say you got a TV show you're going to write that has, you know, something to do with the police, something to do with the the courtroom, and something to do with the church. I might. I might, or I might just be in my uh, my uh, autobiography. <laughs> Who knows? Because I, I got I got I got two movies fully well not fully written, but I got two movies written, and I got one that I'm work working on. That's amazing. And I, I feel like the, the one that I'm working on will be the craziest one, but I like I, I don't mind putting the details out on it just so people can know where my mind goes. But the movie that I'm working on writing right now is like a. A post-apocalyptic world, but in a whole different sense of what if internet just ceased to exist? Not people became zombies, but what if just internet was no more? How 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 will people react? <laughs> what, what will people do? And I've been I've been tossing up whether I want to make it a, 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 a what's the word a horror flick or like a comedy or or kind of like a both because I could see it as like the the uh, the OGs from jail getting out and since they didn't have internet to begin with they know how the old world went, went. so yeah, we start see to a lean, lot of flashbacks in yeah, your movie we start back to lean to the day. towards back in the day how we did it before we had Wi-Fi and Instagram like how's the OGs gonna act and but I also might want to make it like you know people who are on Instagram all day how lifeless will they be when they just walking down the street they gonna look like zombies so yeah. it's just it's like I'm in, the, I'm in the process of writing this movie right now. No, that's amazing. So, somebody might take the idea out. At this point, I don't care. Somebody, I, I would love to see this idea come to fruition one way or another. Man, y'all better not take so. that shit. We gonna copyright this shit. <laughs> so this motherfucker over. That's, that, and that's just one of my ideas. I got, I got movies. I got two done. That's one that I'm working on right now. You know what? Let's let's not give out the sauce to to that them ingredients. Man. That's that's cool. That's what I'm saying. I give I give one away because that and that's like the that was the mild one. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you were pulled over? Last time I got pulled over. You know, as my crazy, listeners crazy know. The crazy thing, I didn't get pulled over, but the police knocked on my door two weeks ago because uh, at my house, I guess it was a Hispanic dude that, I guess, committed a robbery, but he, uh, the, the bird was up, and he hopped my fence in my backyard to hop another fence. So... The police was at, at like at my house. I looked out the uh, the window. I'm like, why the fuck is a bird? Like the bird was circling around for like 30 times before I looked out the window. Uh-huh. As soon as soon as he seen me look out the window, they 
kicked my uh the, the back uh door open like towards my backyard and came knocked on the doors like hey like come on with your hands up because they had they had to make sure that i'm not harboring the uh suspect uh, uh, fugitive back the car i'm like damn like this shit crazy like i i i, I was like i just i had i had thoughts of what if these niggas just shoot me because i'm black like, i really felt like damn i could die today on, on some on somebody else hopping my backyard like I, it made me realize how simple it is to just die on some a victim shit. of the circumstance yes like and that shit was like low-key scary and the funnier thing is i was i was butt naked so i was scrambling to put on some clothes so i don't go outside looking like a damn fool damn so hold on they told you to come out and you was like hold up give me a second I was, I was in the really process of putting my drawers on. I was putting my drawers on before they had, so luckily I already had my drawers on. I was putting on my sweats, but like my door was like open, and but I was moving to put my clothes on. I don't, I, so I had to slow down because I don't want them to shoot because they think I'm pulling a gun or anything. Like it was yeah. like that type of moment. Like they, they was walking with their guns like drawn already. Oh, yeah. And when they knocked on the door, knocked on the door with the butt of the gun, and had the gun pointed when I opened the door right at my head. So I'm like, fuck. But I wasn't like afraid to die. This I just was like more like just aware, like damn, life is life is short. Like it, it could have been over on accident, because it happens. Damn, I ain't never had a story where they said they came to my motherfucking door and they were searching for someone that they jumped in my backyard and came out and then held me up. Yeah, that's hell out of pocket. And so you know, I probably I probably could have did taken some type of action so because they not they're not able to you know search my house or nothing like that but they did uh, but, no they have probable cause because they think it's in there yeah. and you open the door once you open the door that's where you fucked off yeah my whole thing i'm not finna not open the door and they know i'm in there because they see me like they see me look out the window to see like what the fuck is going on yeah. so at that point they probably thought like from from their point of view i can see why so that's why I'm like, it's you not look suspicious to yeah, a degree. It's like, what the fuck? But I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So and then my grandma, she's in the house because I'm in I'm in the back house. So she's in the house. Like he ain't do nothing. Like she she's screaming and yelling at the police. Like that's my nephew. He ain't doing nothing. Like ain't nobody back here. But you know, I, was, I was I was compliant. But it was just that was, that was not. It was, I didn't get pulled over, but that happened. Shit was crazy. It's important, bro, that I bring awareness to everybody that comes to the show because I feel like a lot of people should know what to do in a situation because, number one, you're still standing here, you're still breathing to tell the story, and, number two, you did enough things right in those moments where you could still be here. Yeah, yeah. I say, I, I probably, I heard about the story where the police went to somebody's house and killed somebody in their house because they thought that she broke into her own house or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, damn, you can't even be in your own house without being a suspect. And she shot down, sir. Yeah, she shot down somebody that broke into her house, and the police got there and they shot her down. Yeah. So it's like, that, man, that's the first thing I thought about. Like, I'm, am I finna die in my own house just because somebody broke in somebody somewhere else behind my fence? That's I just like, damn, that shit crazy, bro. That shit damn. crazy. That that happened so. Okay, well, you know, every episode I do this trading places uh, segment where we take two people's lives and trade them like, you know, uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, or like, you know, we finna compare and contrast if we change these people's lives and put them in these different roles and then how would life would be like that. So, you know, for you, I, I took Bruce Willis and then I had to, you know, we gonna switch his life with Hitmaker Youngberg. 
and we're gonna see how society would be differently if we put the skinny uh, light-skinned fella as the major action figure actor okay. and we take bruce willis to to mr icy and and you know he making all these beats and and pretty much trying to change the game in his own way how would you feel to spin on how would it be? What's your perception? See, the thing about that one, I, that's not too far-fetched because you got somebody like Scott Storch who is that icy, you know, white boy, so to speak. So that's reminiscent of Bruce Willis. So in that sense, I can definitely uh, see Bruce Willis fitting fitting right in. So Bruce Willis and, and Scott Storch would be boys? Yeah, probably. probably Easy call. be the team, yeah. <laughs> I can see it. This is uh, and then now hitmaker young bird action man six cents uh fuck uh uh man that that that's that right there is a tough one because die hard with a vengeance i don't see from what i know now he's he's more mature now thank god so but i'm speaking on is the old Young Bird, not even the producer. I'm, I'm speaking on the rapper, Young Bird. I yeah. feel like he's he was a studio gangster, so he it would not be believable in an action film. I could I couldn't take it serious. That would flop. It wouldn't go nowhere. And then even him, even more mature, modern day him, is just like you. You you know you're not. I want to say Bruce rugged. Willis didn't get his first big break until he was like 28, 29. Yeah. So if we put that in the same retrospect. We talking about Youngberg getting his first big break as a major actor at 28. So there is a little bit of maturity. But know? he's not rugged though. Like he don't have that um, die hard. Like I just I could I can't see that. I can see the Bruce Willis <laughs> making making beats. I can see that easy. I can't see <laughs> Youngberg in no action film. I just I like what is he gonna say? What, what is he like? Even if he did the same thing, he's gonna hit the yippee kaye. I don't know how the fuck he gonna say <laughs> to like. Nah, I just I don't see that. I, that that would be funny. Or that, that it will. He would make action movies. That it would be a new genre of making serious action movies with a with a funny, awkward actor. It would be a whole nother genre. Mm. Like, what's that movie? Um. What's, what's that dude? It's, they made parodies of um, action movies. Before a scary movie was a parody of, of horror films, what was a parody of action movies? It was it was the white dude. Oh, uh, you talking about Expendables? It. No, not Expendables. It was it was an old movie, and he was I know one of the scenes he was on the airplane. Oh, you talking about? Uh, I know who you talking about. He got the white hair. Yeah, and he what's got it? the like naked gun. Yeah, it's all those. I could see him being in one of those movies because it's like he wouldn't, he wouldn't take it seriously. I couldn't see Young Bird as a man. Shout out to Young Bird or Hitmaker. Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. So you saying Young Bird would be a next? <laughs> yeah. But what was the movie that he was, it was called Naked Gun? Uh huh. Naked, the Naked Gun. Yeah. It was like three of them, right? Yeah. I could see him doing that if anything. Yeah. That's yeah. like I. That's Hitmaker to me. He gonna be on a Shout bullet riding me. through the sky. Like, <laughs> oh, so he would be on like Brooklyn uh, Nine, whatever Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, he'd be a parody actor, like you know. That, uh. He'd be in fucking <laughs> scary movie, The Naked Gun, 
Uh, oh, what's the one so with Mike? He'd be with the Wayans. Yeah, that's that's what I could see if he was to ever be an actor. Like I wouldn't take it. You know, there's some people you just can't take serious. Yeah, that's real. I'm not. I don't expect Michael Blackson to be on any action movie. Being Motherfucker, his. you die today, Morasoka. Like, <laughs> nigga, what? This, this is he's a cool cat. I met him before. Who? Uh, Michael Blackson. Blackson. Yeah, yeah, he hella cool. He roasts the fuck out of people too. <laughs> that shit hilarious. You just gotta come on his good side. If you on that other side, you gonna be a victim of some jokes. The thing is, I know, I know for a fact, everybody who meets him. Got a, got something not racist but black like hey Motosoka it's like why anybody, ain't nobody finna meet Michael Blackson and not say nothing like ignorant and I I, I would I would be on everybody's head if, if I was that too <laughs> everybody who meets me is like hey yo Miko like just call me Miko bro like you don't gotta hey yo like people like really go to the extremes to let me know that they know who I am which is cool it's not irritating or annoying it's just I'm like, human, bro. Like, when you do interviews, bro, it's important to match the same energy as a person you're interviewing. Yeah. So, like, if you was hella hype, I'd be hella hype with you because that's how we could both relate on the same level. Yeah. But if you hella relaxed like you are, I get to be hella relaxed. And, you know, we over here smooth yeah. chopping. Yeah. And so, you know, it's important to, to recognize your values because that's, that's, you're humble, bro. Yeah, I gotta be on that. It takes a lot of self-reflection to stay humble. Because mm. when you when you do start to um, collect and uh, have your accolades, especially when you sometimes you gotta reaffirm who you are, and you gotta look back and say, "Oh yeah, I did work with Snoop. I did work with Mozzie. I did work with Kitty. I did work with French Montana. I did work with Sugar Free. I did like." And the list can keep going. I don't want to boast. I don't want to sound boastful, but it's like no, these placement. Are, these are the facts. Placement. But you don't need to know that unless you ask. I'm not finna. Everywhere I go, yeah, I'm multi Grammy nominated, super platinum wrecking producer. I work with you. Ain't, you ain't finna know nothing other than if you already know I make beats. I'm not finna let people know everything because why? What am I trying to? I'm trying to sell you. What am I trying to sell? Like so, but I had to kind of understand that because for a long time, like even as far as simple as Instagram, I took all the credit, the, the production credits that I did, I took them all out because I don't care. It's not about who I work with. It's who about. It's about who I want to work with. What I want to do. I should. I will be more inclined to putting, looking forward to, working with Chris Brown. And I want to open up a. But people are like, what the fuck is that? Like, nobody wants to see that shit either. Not about what they want to see. It's just, I don't care to show off anything. It's just either you know or you don't. You know, somebody had to learn the hard way with successful people. They don't give a fuck about what you're going through, about whatever the hell you got going on, whether it's successful, if it's failure, if it's a struggle. They just care about what they got going on with you in that moment and what you guys continue to have. And so it's like you can learn that the hard way, you can learn that the easy way. <laughs> yeah, and well, yeah, you're right. Now, the difference between a successful person and a successful friend that's is that difference. a successful person will not give a fuck about what you got going on, but a successful friend See, will. The friend part, that's yeah. that's so, the thing, and you can't get them mixed up. Yeah. So pay attention. <laughs> it, it's really different. Like I've I've seen people, and it's like you not my homie. So nigga, what do what, whatever we gotta do, that's what we gotta do. I don't care if you your house is burnt down. Like okay, I'm praying for you, and I'm I'm still humble. I'm still cool, positive, but yeah. 
damn, I'm sorry to hear that. When, when can you get these? Uh, when can we meet the? Can we still meet this deadline? Because yeah. I still got to do what I got to do. But if this was my friend, damn, you know what? I'm gonna push this to the side because you just lost that. What can I give you? And then you know, don't worry about the deadline. We'll get there. Like it's it's literally different for different people. Every situation is is a different situation, and I treat them as humans. Like even when I meet people, I don't meet people and automatically feel like they're all the same. Like you know, like the stigma of niggas and hoe ain't shit and all bitches is just the same. And you know, like I don't. I used to think that way, but I give everybody the opportunity to basically fuck themselves. Yeah. I give everybody their chance to show me their true colors, and it's and it's people do it so willingly that. It's, it doesn't take long. <laughs> it really don't. Like I, w- I will give you everything because I, I if it works, it's like damn, I, I picked a good friend. If not, I don't, I don't feel like I take a loss for trying to be, be a good person, for trying to be a nice guy, for trying to, you know, make some work. No, no, you have a really good head on your shoulders when it comes to building relationships, bro. And that right there, I've learned is the key to success and and really breaking the walls of your complexity you know the ceiling of complexity where you can't get through if you build relationships it allows these uh these windows to appear to find your way to stay once again people don't know i'm an introvert i don't like talking to people i don't like people i love helping people it's like this i don't know how i live on this fine line of i hate people like literally i just i do not want to be around people like these fucking kids fuck them like i don't care about nobody kids but mine and that's i don't care who Oh, why do you not like kids? I don't care about nobody kids. Fuck these kids. But I still care about the youth. And just as a whole, I want the gener- next generation to be better. Right. But it's like, I re- and I really feel strongly about both. I can say, fuck these kids, but then attend, uh, you know, a donation to help kids and influence kids. And I feel strongly on both because I'm a, I'm a dynamic human being. I, I'm capable of feeling both ways. Like, and I, that's one thing is like I'm not a politician I'm not political you know everybody has to take one stance and they have to be this or they're not going to get the support and follow I don't care I'm human and I'll be trying to get people to understand you're human it's okay to you could be mad today and then happy tomorrow you could say you know you, you hate something today and then learn to love it tomorrow you know so, that's why you make incredible music bro. that's that's why your B4 mass and have so much soulful to them Cause you really dig into emotions and and, yeah. and you put it out there. You let it speak for you. I do not. I strongly despise people who play a role. People like they act this way, but then they, as soon as they done acting this way, like it's like, what up, cuz? What up? What up, blood? What up, this? And then when you meet them, it's like, hey, how you doing, bro? <laughs> like, who are you? Do you even know who you are? That's real. And it took for me, I had to understand who I am. Yeah, I say cause ten, like I say it way less now because I'm I'm around way less gang affiliated things. But I I I will still be quick to say I don't gang bang. I'm just around you. That was my environment. You can't be mad. You if you're not a crip, don't say it. I agree with that. But my my family was all crips, and the thing is. At the end of the day, I'm still guilty by association. Somebody would probably still want my head if they know where my dad from in X, Y, and Z. So I just, you know, it ain't got nothing to do with that. It ain't nobody's business because I don't even, I'm not even attached to it. But I'm attached by, you know, guilty by association. But that's just me keeping it real. Like, I, I don't like people that fake the funk. 
say blood because you're around bloods and then say crip because you're around crips. Like, who are you? Who are, who, who are you? When you know who you are, none of that matters. None of that gang shit matters. None of that politics shit matters. Nothing matters. But who are who are you as a man? Can I respect you as a man or a woman? That's all. That's what I see in, in people. Is can I look at you? Can I look you in your eyes and know that what you're telling me is either fact or are you lying to me? Can we establish a loyal commitment relationship? Or are you going to turn on me the second you see money or a bigger opportunity? That Those are the things that I see. I don't see the, the, the small things. I just see, you know, real character traits. And being real has kept me alive in all types of situations, yeah. walking. and that's, that's the most important thing. Be true to yourself because the, true, the more true you can be to yourself is the way you can get out of a lot of things that you stumble across. Let me ask you this. What does success mean to you? What is your definition of success? Success to me is, is are you happy? That's, that's, what, that's what success Success is not money because there's a lot of rich people that are not happy. Rich, rich, being wealthy is not successful. But being happy is successful. It's, it's some homeless people that are happy. I feel like that's success. We, I, I'm not gonna judge you based on do you have a nice car, or a nice house. I'm, a, I'm a, and I'm not to judge, but I'm a judge based off of are you happy? Like, how you carry can, yourself? Can you smile knowing you're in this position, predicament, and still be grateful for what you have, even if you have nothing? Are you grateful to have life? Right. If you can cherish that, and I know that happiness is so fleeting. It it, it comes and it goes. I've learned how to create my own. I've learned that sunlight, photosynthesis is a real thing. Like the same way plants get energy from the sun, I like to just be in the sun when I'm feeling down because it it really revitalizes me. It makes me a happy person. You know, it's real cliche, but you know, the American way is the pursuit of happiness. Everybody come here from some country and they find their way to stay and it's all for the pursuit of happiness. And a lot of people that are here take that simple statement for granted. No, they, they, they misconstrue the pursuit of, pursuit of happiness with the American dream. <laughs> There's two different things. The American dream is to own a monopoly, be a mogul, be on top. Own like and not even ownership, but just run a business, and 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 AKA chasing the American dream is chasing the bag. When the pursuit of happiness is a whole different thing. That's why you get people like Marvin Gaye that you know that say you know they don't make uh, music for money. I, I just I just heard of a situation where Marvin Gaye was I think shot at, and he still went and did the uh, concert that he was shot at prior to being at that concert because he was like it's not about I'm not gonna not do the concert because I'm afraid for my life I'm gonna do this concert because I want these people to be happy they're here to they're here to find happiness and I'm here to give it to them who am I to stop their happiness and it's like that's deeper than I'm here to because I need to get paid like fuck being paid the money's gonna come if you if you doing what you enjoy the money's gonna come for one and for two you finna be happy and that's why success success to me is is are you happy now how important is having a team around you and and accelerating in in this industry um 
is definitely necessary. But the most important thing is building your foundation. Mm. And for the most part, building your foundation requires you to do that alone. You got to build your foundation before you have a team. Because I did it the other way around. And being at the top, like with my whole, the whole me and AB situation, I built the foundation, but the foundation was rocky from the start because I didn't know, nobody knew how to properly build. So when we get, you know, seven floors up and it all crashes down, it's like, okay, what do we do now? So going forward, I build my foundation to where I know what's going on. So if you can build seven floors up and it's not going to collapse because the foundation is solid. Right. So it's almost like you have an upside down pyramid where it starts with you yeah. and then it branches and exactly. it keeps on branching. So it starts with self. If you, if you don't know what you want to do within yourself and if you're not willing to put in the work yourself and always relying on others from the get go, you're going to rely on others when it's really crunch time in there and they can't be around. Yeah. So if you if you can manage to build your foundation by yourself, that means you can do it all if they all leave again. There's something that, that, you know, I do want to bring up real fast. I'm not going to take too much more, but uh, what does is, what is having your brand mean to you? Because, I mean, when you think of your beats, you think of a product right away. You think of just, it slaps. You feel me? Like, you have a great degree of, of your mechanics. So, it's like... I wasn't aware of what a brand meant for, like, seven, eight years of my career. I wasn't aware of what AOMICO I was not aware until I would have somebody like Snoop Dogg say, hey, yo, Miko. It's like, how do you know me? I ain't never met you. What's your tag, your B tag. Damn. So, something that I did in my garage eight years ago got everybody screaming and saying, like, and it goes for all the producers, take key, fuck these niggas up, you know, muzzle on the beat. Oh, like, these are our brands. And when we, I think a lot of us first did it, we wasn't aware that we were building a brand. But now it's like I see though everything is branding is more important than a product. At the end of the day. It's it's way more important than a product. Because if if me if I make a beat and Mustard make the same beat, same exact beat, and we both put it out the same day, his is gonna go farther because his brand is big. Period. And that's with the same talent, same quality, same everything. It's just he has a bigger brand. So branding is the most important thing. And if you know how to brand your stuff or and what comes brand is reputation. People and it's people often get so lost in branding and reputation that they become fake or they become a, a facade of themselves. Like I, I was watching this interview with Will Smith. And Will Smith said to, to, not to quote him directly because I don't know exactly word for word but he was talking about how the, you know being a movie movie star and a t- television star they see him on TV as this so people automatically expect you to be this same person in real life when they see you you're not always going to be happy you're going to have bad days you're going to you know you're not going to want to always smile and be cheery Martin ain't gonna always say, what up, what up, what's up? He's not gonna always wanna do that. Facts. <laughs> but people have this interpretation of who you are because of what they see on television. And Will Smith was talking about how he had to break free from that character because that was a character. Will Smith, even though that's him, his real name, 
that was also a character, Will Smith, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He had to break free from that character and become himself. And that's a scary thing to do because if the people don't like it, you you know, you lose money, you lose reputation, you lose sponsorships, you can take a big loss. But once again, that goes back to the success of being happy. If that makes you happy, none of that shit matters. Right. So it's it's a sacrifice. You gotta be willing to make that sacrifice. What's more important at that point in time? Your happiness or your money? No, that's real. So I mean Kobe's biggest thing, RP Kobe Bryant, that shit sad as fuck to talk about. I don't even want to bring it up too much, but <clears throat> something that he glorified was that the art of war. You know, what are you really willing to sacrifice to to reach your success, reach your goal, reach your pinnacle? Yeah. And so that's something that, that I take to heart every time I think about the situation. It's like, you know, what what great sacrifice comes with great reward am I willing to, to do? I, so I sacrificed time with my daughter, and that was one of the hardest things that I had to allow. When my daughter was born, I was... I took care of my daughter from age zero, meaning birth, the day she was came out the womb, to age four and a half. I was changed her diapers, fed her, everything. Like my, my baby mama will admit, be, sometimes we'd be on rocky terms, but she'll tell you like, yeah, he was there because she had postpartum depression, meaning she kind of didn't even want to be around her own child, let alone me. So it was hard for her to be around because her mentality was fucked up. And then she got a job. I didn't have a job, so I worked at home, made beats at home. That's why my daughter loves music now, because that's all she was ever around is music. <laughs> Studio, baby. But, yeah, for real. <laughs> she she can sleep through loud noises because I had to make beats loud. She is, she know how to. She's a she she can sleep through it. But after having that, to having to move to uh, Fontana. It was a decision. Do I take my daughter with me or do I really chase this dream because I know we can make something of it? So I went from being a full-time dad seven days a week to sometimes once every every weekend or you know, once once a weekend, one weekend every every month, depending on how busy I was. And I didn't like it. But it was just, it's like you said, it's just, what what are you willing to sacrifice? And I'm trying to work on getting back time. Not that I lost, but I see like what, what happened with Kobe. Like you said, rest in peace. That's what I had with my daughter. That's how close me and my daughter was. We're still close because I still talk to her. But ain't nothing like being able to pick her up from school just to see her. Just I want I want that, but I can't have that right now because I'm trying to. What's more important? Family is more important. But if I make the sacrifice away from family I could probably get it faster or we could even date it back to you know the 1700s 1800s when people had cabins in the, in the woods and you had a wife and two kids but you had to go you know kill a moose to feed the family yeah. that means you gotta leave your house you gotta make a sacrifice and, and at that time somebody could you know go in your house rape your family kill your family so you're not there to pro- not only to feed but protect you, you're sacrificing being able to feed and protect your family to go get some food mm. and fathers had to do that so it's like that kind of keep me sane because i'm doing it for a good reason i'm not just doing it to you know be out here smoking and chilling with the homies fucking bitches none of that matters i'm literally trying to chase a dream to developing your family. foundation yeah building so, your brand like, that's why i say it. it's it's some people act like they sacrificing and they just deadbeat dads or deadbeat parents 
but I really is like, I gotta do this. And since I'm not with her, I can't miss a beat. I can't skip a day. I can't take a day off. I you can't take it for up. granted. Yeah. Because time is the most finite thing we have. Because exactly. that's something we can never get back. I mean, the only thing we have closest to time traveling is, is flying from the East Coast to the West yeah. Coast. Or you feel me? Like, Michael Jackson's the only person that's ever went in and knocked in three New Years from going from Australia yeah. all the way back to uh, California and knocked in, brung in three New Years. And he time traveled. You feel me? Who's the only person that could, you know, say they did that? They rung in 2,000 three times. <laughs> So you know it's it's you know it's the most finite thing we have. So when you do sacrifice it, you have to make sure that there's a value, and you have to have someone to represent it. Yeah. A lot of times, like for me, I've been in the game for a long time, and I realized I had nothing to hold and grab from everything I'm doing. So I got to do something different. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, thinking that there's a different result. Yeah. And so I, I had to go ahead and be truthful with myself. Like, man, I'm not getting the results I want, and I'm doing the same thing. Am I going insane, or or I just need to? Just... Nah, that's, that's the hardest thing is to admit it, and that's that's why people end up going insane because you don't want nobody want to admit that they fucked up or made a mistake or failed. Because as a child, it was embarrassing, yeah. and most 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 parents nowadays, our generation of parents wasn't taught because the generation before that didn't know how to teach, especially for minorities. I would say. So we now we have in this day and age my my dad was a dad that would be like nigga man up nigga don't be no bitch like suck it in like suck it up whatever like whatever the case is be strong be tough you a man like don't cry so that programmed me and a lot of our generation to not show emotion but we're emotional we're human but we've been taught that's and beat that's been literally beaten into a lot of us for so long. Man, what you crying for, nigga? Don't be no bitch. To where now that we 20 and we, you know, we going through shit, all we thinking of is what our parents taught us. Don't cry. Oh yeah, we gonna make it through it. So now we we got this generation of new adults that don't even know how to speak on what's what they're going through. Facts. Because like I said, they can't admit it. So there that turns into insanity. You yeah. keep doing the same thing because you want to. You don't want to admit to yourself or anybody else that you're fucking up. But that creates also mental health issues. Exactly. That creates mental abuse. That's 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 where the issue is. It, it, it stems from this is a generational curse that we that we stuck in, and that's another thing that I want to combat. Is it's okay to cry. It's it's okay to be a you know be a human being, and that's why I'm saying like with me, I can say I hate kids and I love kids because I'm human. I'm dynamic. You're, you're, a, you're supposed to have multiple feelings in a day. Think of it like this. That's real. If you was born into a rich family and everything that you ever asked for, you always got a yes answer to. And you always had everything. Like, it was always a yes. The first time you hear no, meaning like you've never even heard it, like, just in life. You're like, you hear, what, what? no, what is that? And it's like, no, you can't have that. No, you can't afford this. That'll make somebody lose their mind because they wouldn't expect it. But if you got somebody that... That's where the temper tantrum come out. Yeah. But if you have somebody that was broke, got a little bit of money, got a couple yeses, got a lot of no's, and they had that same pinnacle where they need this $3 million and they get told no, it's not going to hurt them nowhere near as much as that person that was rich their whole life and they first time hearing a no. 
Facts. I go through a thousand no's before I get a yes. Yeah. And then sometimes them yeses be life changers. Yeah. So yeah, always be humble to it. The difference from me having a doc, you gotta, in order to understand happiness, you gotta feel sadness. You're most happy after you make it through a sad slump. And you're most sad after you make it through a happy slump. It's, it's a wave. It's, it's a roller coaster. You gotta, you gotta. If you have one without the other and then you get that one, it's gonna be like a, a peak. It's a high. Like, if you, like you said, if you take a thousand no's and you get that one yes, that it's, it's gonna feel a thousand times better than getting two no's and then one yes. No. I'm just too free trying. Rather than a thousand and one. See, when I was young, I was wild. It took that moment of actually having them red and blue lights hit you and you actually sitting down on the curb with your legs crossed and you really think about shit, I'm not invincible. Mm-hmm. And it slow your ass down. And then another moment when you slow your ass down is when you have kids. Mm-hmm. Especially if you take heed to your children, you see the beauty of yourself into the kids, it slow your ass down. Yeah. And so, you know, it develops. Like, me having a daughter, like, when I had a son, it was dope. Brought him everywhere. But once I had a daughter, it, like, really slowed me down to, like, man, I got to really be a parent. Yeah. It's not so much just bringing my son to the studio and bringing him to events. It's, it's more so of, shit, this ain't being a parent. This is just escaping my responsibility. Yeah. It's having a son is fun because you get to do man things. But that's the whole thing. You got to grow. You got to mature your mind. Facts. Having a son or a daughter, you should feel like, damn, I gotta make it home to my kid. Who gonna raise my my son or my daughter if I die? Like that. When you when you think like that, and you think of actually raising a child, then you start to get it. Like I don't want nobody else to raise me. Like what if they teach them the wrong thing? What if they what if they give them the wrong information, the wrong advice? Right. Things like that is what scares. I grew me. up without a father, so you yeah. know, searching through the streets for the right answers, the wrong answers, you you definitely go through them. And so, you know, I'm like, man, my father left me when I was four. So I'm like, I'm that much more in my kid's life in that because range. Of, yeah. And so it, it puts a different perspective to how I view things. Thanks. Exactly. Man, you got any questions for me, bruh? Uh, shit, like, think of something because you, you got a lot of knowledge, too. That's one thing I can't say. Most, most interviewers be real-life dingbats, bro. Man, knowledge people, is power, bro. People be having the pre-written what they want to ask, and it's like, you're a robot. Like, why do you want to do this? You know? Oh, so no. it's like, what what's a boring-ass interview? Yeah. So <laughs> what what, make, what makes you so engaged with people? Like, because this, this is a people, you know, type of sport, per se. This is a people's job. For me, like, one, I buy into auras and reading people. And so once I'm able to read into something that I can like work with or like we have some of energy that's that we can both go on, I, I try to like strive for it, bruh. And then once we both go on with it, that that keeps my happiness going from what I'm doing. Because definitely like doing these interviews and going into different environments, you want to find something to be comfortable on yourself. And so, you know, you got to be happy to ask questions. You got to be like, man, I'm being grateful for what I'm being told. And then you got to keep on going. <laughs> you just can't be stunned in the moment. <laughs> and so, like, that's where the passion comes in for this stuff. Like, I enjoy people because everybody has a struggle. Like, everyone has a story. But the thing I'm more attention to detail to is about people's success stories. Yeah. Because at some point, your life changed and, and you're able to transition. And, and that's the part that I like to go ahead and have people tell. And then I like to have awareness segment. And then have fun. So, 
you know, I try to have my spin to it. Alright, now, now this is a good question. Um, what could I have said or done to make you want to end this interview? Like, or have you ever uh, been in that situation where, like, this, yeah, this, either this nigga's dumb or this woman is, like, has there been that moment of, I don't want to do this interview? Bro, keep it one thought well, no. I'm very open to my perception of going into these interviews. Like, I do my research on who I'm interviewing. And if I know, like, what to expect, I can't be mad once it hits me. Yeah. It's like, you know, you crying over spilled milk. The shit spilled. It's going to happen. If it comes out, it comes out. You just got to, you know, go through it. Yeah. Like, later on, I got to interview a killer twine, and I'm supposed to go to the projects. And, you know, uh, if you don't know, my skin color is white and I haven't lived in L.A. in about 10 years. So I don't know nobody to get anything. So I'm, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. But at the same time, I want the story. I want I want, you know, his success and how that shit worked out. So I'm willing to sacrifice. I mean, I'm going to come prepared. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time. So it's like, you know, I got to, you know, do what I got to do. I mean, I'm a believer in the God, you know, Isaiah 5410, no weapon shall prosper against me. So I'm like, I step in anything. And then I come at people being real and honest. Like, yeah, that, that's, that's when it gets you farther than acting hard or acting tough. The thing about some of these real street niggas, quote unquote, is that they're not real street niggas because they kill somebody. They're real street niggas because they know what respect is. And they will give respect, but at the same time, they will demand respect. And if you disrespect them, they're not bothered to give you the repercussions, period. And that's what the real, real street nigga is, composed to a nigga that's going to shoot because you said, fuck they hood. Like, that's not a real, that's just a nigga that's going to kill you. Like, that's just a killer. Yeah. There's a big difference. Yeah, facts. Big facts. That's why I say respect is everything. And I always give respect before I even ask for respect, I give it. Because respect is free. It's like all you gotta do is say yes, sir, please, thank you, or whatever, like in between. Yeah, for real. It, ain't, it ain't nothing to be respectful. It don't cost nothing to be respectful. And it don't make you less of a make you more of a man to be respectful. For real, the whole the conversation with certain people. It's, it's you know, you can chop it up with killers and, yeah. and not have to see that side of them because that's that's not where y'all going with it. I was friends with a couple killers that died, like, and it, and it hurt because it's like I don't see the killer in them. I just see it's like you was a real human. You might have killed somebody in your past. You might have done some shit that you ain't even proud of, and you would do it again if you had to. But I also see that you're just hurt, bro. And not only are you hurt, but you're trying to fix yourself. Yeah. And you can see you can like, you got to really understand people, and like, that's why I wouldn't want to do my own podcast because I know. Same thing like you. I, li I like to read people and just have a better understanding of just the way people think. Man, contrast uncut. You heard that first. Miko finna have himself his own podcast. Ain't no telling what it's gonna be called. But no, that's bruh. Like I said, off here. I got you, bruh. <laughs> now you got it on wax. I got you, bruh. Anything you need help with, I got you. It's nothing. Man, facts. Before facts. we go, hit the play button. I gotta say, shout outs to Dirty Laundry Studio. This is a studio that we. And, you know, so everybody that's listening, I need y'all to make sure y'all book y'all session here with us. We gonna get y'all right. Dirty Man. Laundry is the place to be. Man, shout out Dirty Laundry. I appreciate y'all having me, allowing me to host my podcast with you folks. Yes, sir. Uh, where can they find you at? Where can they find Dirty Laundry at? They can find me in Africa. I just <laughs> you can, uh, follow me on all social media websites.
websites and all streaming platforms. Just search Ayomiko. That's A Y O O M E C O. That's everywhere. That will pop up. Okay. And then, as far as the studio, they also have a clothing store as well as Dirty Laundry. D I R T Y L A U N D R Y exclamation point. Mm, don't forget that exclamation point. And that same thing for the studio. Just you know, look us up and. You ain't heard no music because you hear me talking, but best believe I don't have a name. My brand ain't ain't what it is because I do shit quality. I, I do. I, I, deli- I always deliver, and I aim to deliver every time, and I, I don't feel like I've ever failed. So fuck with me. Man, what's there to expect from you before we go? Give me two things that you like most Sheesh. excited for for 2020. Uh, I know you touched on movies. I know you touched on song placement. I think my most exciting thing right now is my artist. Her name is Tanner. Okay. Be on the lookout for her on TV. Like, you oh. know, you're going to... Be on the lookout on her on Contrast Uncut. Let me go ahead and plug oh, that. Oh, yeah, we're going to have that too. <laughs> but be on the lookout for her on a specific, you know, TV show. I can't, I can't say too much because it's still in the works, but be on the lookout for that. Yeah, and yeah. then... It's an artist that I'm working with. His name is Rayvon. This this is the dopest nigga in the world. I'ma just say, just search that name, cause that's gonna be the biggest thing in the world. I just, I, 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 these are two things I just can't speak too much on, but these are the things that I'm excited to. Man, this shit gonna be crazy. Wow. Man, you know what I love about music is when you sit back and you're behind the scenes, it's nice to see when that picture is done. You get to see the different, different angles of how good it looks. Yes, sir. It's a beautiful picture. Can't wait, man. Man, you can follow me at uh, DJ Juan Dollars, and uh, you can follow the podcast at Contrast Uncut. It's episode 13. We got Miko in this motherfucker.